Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. Parshas Kisavai begins with the mitzvah of Bikurim, of bringing the first fruits of one's field to the base of Mikdash. And as we will soon see, this parsha in Kisavai contains within it a very important connection to certain sukkim in Parshas Ekev. And I think if we will study this connection and see how Rashi deals with it, we will we can uh, enlighten ourselves as to the basic content of each of the two parshias, and we can also answer a number of questions about Rashi's commentaries. Let's begin with a quick look at the parsha of Bikurim. It will be when you come to the land that Hashem your God is giving to you as an inheritance. And you will inherit it, be a shaftabo, and you will dwell there. When that happens, so then there's a mitzvah. You will take from the first of all the fruits of the ground, that you will bring from your land, that Hashem your God will give you, give to you. So you'll take from the first fruits, the samtovatena, and you will place them in a basket. And you will go to the place that Hashem your God will choose, the Shakin Shmo Shom, to cause his name to dwell there. So in other words, you will take a basket of the first fruits of the year and you will bring them to the base of Mikdash. You will come to the Kayan who will be there in those days, and you will say to him, I have declared today to Hashem your God. That I have come to the land that Hashem um, promised to our fathers, to our forefathers, to give to, to give to us. The Koyan will take the basket from your hand. Rashi says <clears throat> that he will wave the basket in a certain way. That's not particularly relevant to our discussion here today. But Koyin will take the basket from your hand. And he will place it in front of the Mizbeach, in front of the altar of Hashem, your God. And then there is something called Mikra Bikurim. The Anisa, the Amarta, you will lift up your voice and you will say, in front of Hashem, your God. And here we will skip over some of these very, very important sukkim. The person bringing the Bikurim makes a declaration in which he thanks the Kodesh Baruch Hu for taking us out of Mitzrayim, making us a great nation, saving us from the Egyptians. And he tells the whole story. And Hashem brought us to this place and he gave us this land. And it's a very nice land, very beautiful land. And the this is the conclusion of the person's declaration. 
Behold, I have brought the first of the fruits of the ground, that Hashem has given me. That's end quote. And now there's a commandment. You will place the Bikurim in front of Hashem, your God. You will leave them there in the base of Iktash, the Hishtach of Isa, and you will bow with Hashem in front of Hashem, your God, etc. We're skipping over, of course, many, many important points, but that is the that is the Pasha of Bikurim. And now I'd like to examine some of Rashi's comments on the second Pasuk. Let's read this second Pasuk again. You will take from the first of the fruits of the land, that you will bring from the land. This, this phrase, is not going to be our discussion today, but it is the subject of much discussion amongst commentators. It, it first of all, seems to be altogether superfluous, and its meaning it needs to be explained. But that's for another time. You will take from the fruits that come from the land that Hashem your God has given you. You will place them in a basket and you will go to the place that Hashem has chosen. You will go to the base of Mikdash. Let's see Rashi. Rashi begins from the first of the fruits. Says Rashi, but not all of the first fruits. What does that mean? She says, not all fruits are obligated in Bikurim. You don't have to bring Bikurim from every possible type of fruit. Ella, which ones? Shivas Haminim Bilbar. Only the Shivas Haminim, the seven species, which we'll see in a moment, these seven species are, in, are listed in Parshas Ekev where the Torah is praising Eretz Yisrael as being a very wonderful land, it mentions specifically these seven types of crops. Arashi explains, how do we know to connect this posset of Loikol Reishas to the other psukim in Parshas Eikim? Maybe there's no connection. So he says, Nemarkan Eretz. It says here, Eretz. It says in this posset, Me'art Sechot. says the word Eretz for land. The Nemar Lahalon. And it says over there in Parshas Ekev, Eretz, Hito, Uso, Ero. It says there a land of wheat and barley and five other types, which we'll see in a moment. So, just like over there in Parshas Ekev, the Torah is talking about the seven species by which Eretz Yisrael is Nishtabcha, by which Eretz Yisrael is praised. There are seven species that that Moshe uh, Rabbeinu, in the course of speaking for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he praised Eretz Yisrael as being a, a land that has lots of good, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, lots of uh, good examples of these seven species. So Afkan, here also, Shvach Eretz Yisrael. Here also, when the Torah says that you should take, maybe she's called Priho Adamah, you should take from the first of all the fruits, but not all. So it means you should take from the first pieces of these species, of these seven species. Now, Rashi 
says Zeis Shemen. Now, the words Zeis Shemen are not in our Pasuk at all, which means it's certainly unusual that Rashi should comment on something that's not in the Pasuk that he is working with, as I've explained many, many times. Here, Rashi quotes a couple of words, which are really in Parshish Ekev, as we'll see soon. Zeis Shemen. So there, there's a, one of the seven minim is called Zeis Shemen. So Rashi explains, of course, Zayas means olive. Shemen means oil. What does it mean, olive? Now in Hebrew, you don't say olive oil. When you want to say Shemen Zayas, you don't say Zayas Shemen. You say Shemen Zayas. So the phrase Zeis Shemen needs some clarification. So Rashi says Zeis Shemen is Zayas Egoiri. This is a particular kind of olive that's called a Zayas Egoiri, that its oil is packed up, its oil is stored up within it. It has a lot of oil in the portion of its way. And again here, now Rashi also quotes a word from the Pasuk in Ekev, the word that does not appear in the Pasuk here. So again, just for that, it deserves attention. Udvash, it mentions in Parshas Ekev, one of the seven species that Eretz Yisrael is praised for is dvash, which we usually translate as honey. Rashi says, udvash tmarim. This is referring to the honey of dates. It's referring to the syrup that can be extracted from dates and not to dvash dvorim, to bee honey. Okay, what are my questions on Rashi? Question number one. I'm going now in the order that they appear here. They're not necessarily in any order of importance or, or of uh, intensity. The first question is, if Rashi here mentions a phenomenon called Shiva Saminim, or Shiva Saminim Shinishtabcha Ben the seven species. Interestingly, that where they appear in Parshas Akev, Rashi doesn't say, doesn't, never uses that phrase. In Parshas Akev, as we'll see in a moment, the Psukim mentioned seven things. So it doesn't say they are seven, but if you count them up, they are seven. Rashi doesn't give them any special name. They have no special title. But here, in Parshas Kisova, in the Mitzvah of Bikurim, Rashi gives them a title, the Shiva Samina. That's question number one. Why does Rashi here give them a title, which he does not do in Parshas Akif? Question number two is in the yellow. Rashi here is comparing the two Parshas, Akif and Kisova. So he says, just like over there in Parshas Akif, just like over there, the Torah is talking about the seven species, that Eretz Yisrael is praised for them. Afkan here also, now he changes his phraseology. When he is referring to Parshas Ekev, he talks about the seven species and he uses a verb. The seven species that Eretz Yisrael is praised for. Here, then when, he, then when he begins to talk and refer to, uh, to Parshas Kisovai, he does not use a verb, he uses a noun. 
Afkan, Shvach Eretz Yisrael. Here also we are talking about the, the best produce, the, the most praiseworthy uh, items of Eretz Yisrael. So there seems to be some small change in Rashi's Lushan, in the way that he phrases himself. He is referring to the same thing, to the same, uh, same item or group of items, but when he's talking about them in context of Parshish Ekev, he uses one phrase. When he's talking about them in, in reference to, in the context of Parshish Kisavai, he uses a different phrase. Okay, question number three is in the green. Zeis Shemen. So already we mentioned there's a question on this. Why would Rashi be explaining something here that doesn't even appear in this passage? And the second part of that question is, if here Rashi says, Zayas Agori, Shashamnoi Agor Rashi gives a very specific explanation that Zayas Shemen refers to a particular type of olive called the Zayas Agori, which has a lot of oil stored up inside of it. As we'll see soon, when we take a look at Parshas Akib over there, Rashi does explain the word Zayas Shemen, but he just says, Zaysin Oisin Shemen. Olives that make oil. Not many olives make oil, most olives. I imagine almost every olive. If it's a healthy, good olive, makes and, and it can be extracted from it a certain amount of oil. So in Pashas Akiv, Rashi gives a very general description. Zaysim Isim Shemin. Here, he becomes much more specific. Now, we're talking about the same olive. And yet he explains it in two different ways. One more general. One very specific. Question number four is in the blue, Udvash. So for the first part of the question we've already mentioned, why is Rashi explaining a word that does not even appear in this Pusik? It's really part of the Pusik in Egypt. That's part A of the question. And part B is that here Rashi says the word Dvash refers specifically to Dvash Tmorim, to the honey or the syrup of dates in Parshish Egypt. Rashi does not explain this word at all. Let's take a look at Parshish Ekev. Parshish Ekev, Moshe Rabbeinu begins, all of the mitzvot, all of the mitzvot that I'm commanding you today, you should guard in order to do them. Perhaps we could translate, you should be careful to do them. Baman techyon, in order that you will live, urvisem, and you will multiply, uvasem, the and you will come and you will inherit the land. Hashem that Hashem has promised <clears throat> to your forefathers. And Moshe tells us we should remember the Kol Haderet, we should remember the whole journey that HaKadosh Baruch Hu took us on in the Midbar. And it was not an easy journey. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to show us that it is not upon bread alone that a person lives, but rather that a person lives by every expression of the mouth of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A person lives because HaKadosh Baruch Hu decrees it. And Moshe Rabbeinu mentions some more of the miraculous experiences in the Midbar. And again, he says, You must keep the mitzvahs of Hashem, your God, 
to go in his ways for a year or so and to fear him. Now, here we come to our most relevant section. Because Hashem is bringing you to a good land, a land that has streams of water. It has springs, and it has deep pools of water, deep underground reservoirs. They come out in the flatlands and in the mountains. It is a land of wheat and barley and vineyards and, and uh, figs and pomegranates. Eretz Shemen, it is a land of Zeis Shemen, of olives, Udvash, and honey. This is the Pasuk that in Parshish Ekev Rashi referred to. And we see what does Rashi say about this Pasuk? He says only one small thing Zeis Shemen, Zeisim Oisim Shemen, olives that make oil. He does not sum up this Pasuk and tell us that it's a phenomenon, that it's a thing called Shiva Saminim, even though it is seven. Tita, Soira, Gefen, Te'ena, Rimain, Zeshemen, Mirage. There are seven. Mirage doesn't give it a name. He does not explain the word Mirage at all. And the word Zeshemen, he explains in a very Cursory fashion. Zaysim Hoisim Shemen. The Buraya explains, as I, I really mentioned this before, that Rashi was bothered. What does it mean, Zais Shemen? Usually we say Shemen Zayas. So Rashi explains, Zais Shemen means an olive of oil, an olive that produces oil. Zaysim Hoisim Shemen. In other words, it seems that Rashi had a, a minor. A uh, question of understanding the grammar of the word, the, the way the words are are put in order, the syntax, and then so Rashi gave a nice, simple explanation. Zaysim, but we've seen Shemin. But uh, certainly many changes or omissions in Parshas Ekev as compared to how Rashi deals with the Pasuk in Parshas Kisavai. These questions are not necessarily, uh, I would not call them uh, the biggest questions that I've ever asked. And they could be answered in isolation, one from another. If one looks in the Muforshe Rashi and the various super commentaries on Rashi, uh, one can find some of the Muforshe answer one, one question in one way and a different question in a different way. Each little question has its own little answer. I would like to propose that really there's one underlying foundational point, fundamental point, which can really explain all of the differences between the Rashi and Parshas Ekev, or perhaps the lack of Rashi in Parshas Ekev, and the specific, the very particular and specific ways that Rashi explains the Shiva Saminim here in Parshas Kisovah. To a large extent, I'm basing myself on some ideas in the Gurarye and Parshas Ekev. Everyone is uh, welcome to, to, to look for himself or herself. 
I'm not following it the word for word, point for point. The general idea, I think, is there in the Gorarya. There is a basic, and, and the point is like this, there is a basic fundamental difference between the Shivas Aminim, between these seven species, as they are presented here in Parshas Ekev, and as they are presented in this week's Parsha, in Parshas Yisoto. In Parshas Ekev, Moshe Rabbeinu is encouraging the people to do mitzvahs in a general way. As we saw, the first Pasuk in this section here is, all of the mitzvahs that I am commanding you today, be careful to do them. As a general encouragement, do all the mitzvahs. Rashi on this Pasuk mentions a drasha of Chazal, that they look at kol ha-mitzvah, not as all of the mitzvahs, but every mitzvah. Every mitzvah that I'm telling you today, do it. And our Chazal Darshan, they, 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 they expound and they explain that it means if you started a mitzvah, you should finish it. Each mitzvah, do it. Meaning, don't stop in the middle. But that is a general idea that applies to all of the 613 mitzvahs. So Meshe Rabbeinu here is telling us and encouraging us, inspiring us in a general way. Do the mitzvahs. We see this also here in Pasuk Vav. You should keep the mitzvahs of Hashem your God to go in his ways of the year or so and to fear him. It's a general admonition, a general encouragement, a general inspiration. Do the mitzvahs. Even where it says to go in his ways. Now there is a mitzvah, the Rambam counts it as one of the 613 mitzvahs to follow in the ways of Hashem, to develop within ourselves midas, character traits, which are which are which which we learn from Tanakh are also kaviyachal, the character traits of a Kodesh Baruchal. Even though to say that word character traits about a Kodesh Baruchal is not so simple, but it, but it, uh, if the Torah tells us that a Kodesh Baruchal is Rachum, so if he is merciful, then we have to go in his ways and be worth, worth it, be merciful. However, the Ramadan does not derive it from this Pasuk, a different Pasuk. And although it's a mitzvah saseh, the Rambam counts it as one of the 613 mitzvahs to fear a Kodesh Baruch The Rambam does not derive it from this Pasuk. This Pasuk is saying, do all the mitzvahs so that by doing all the mitzvahs, you will be going in the way of Hashem and you will be, and you will be fearing Him. It's a general admonition. It is not specific. However, Parshas Kisobar, the beginning of Parshas Kisobar, Moshe Rabbeinu was telling us the very specific mitzvah of Bikurim. He's telling us exactly how to do it, as we saw throughout these Tukim, even without any comment at all from Rashi or from Midrashim and from the Gemara. The Tukim themselves give us many details exactly how to perform this mitzvah. So we have Parshas Akiv, his general encouragement and inspiration to do all of the mitzvahs. Parshas Kisavai is telling us about a very specific mitzvah and it's telling us in practical terms how to do it. And I think this really obvious difference, I'm not claiming any great uh, 
any great insight here. I think this very obvious and very broad difference between the two parshias explains some of these little differences between the Rashi and Parshas Ekev and the Rashi and Parshas Kisavar. We mentioned, first of all, that Rashi and Parshas Ekev, when he, when he read the Psukim about the, the seven species, Eretz Fita V'Sa'ur V'Gefen V'Sein V'Rimayin, Eretz Seishemun V'Vash, he doesn't call it any particular name. He doesn't count them up for us and tell us that there are seven. Because in this general Pasuk, this Pasuk of general encouragement, that you should do the mitzvahs in part because you owe it to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to do the mitzvahs, because he has provided you with such a, with such a wonderful land, not so necessary to count them up. What, what's the difference how many they are? And if there would be one less, you wouldn't have to do the mitzvahs. And if there would be one more, you would have to do the mitzvahs even more. Does one need to be a one need need to be a mathematician and count? It's a general encouragement and inspiration to do the mitzvahs. Masha Ain came. This is not the case here in Parshas Kisavai. In Parshas Kisavai. In his comments on Parshish Kisove, Rashi mentions twice this phrase, Shiva Saminim, the seven species. Why? Because here we're talking practical halacha. You want to know from which types of trees, from which types of crops do I have to bring Bikurim, and the others I don't have to bring Bikurim. Maybe I shouldn't bring Bikurim from the other crops. You, should, you don't just walk into the Basimikdash with all kinds of stuff in a basket. So here, it is important to know that there are shiva samimim, there are seven. There's a number, and there's a reason why that's the number, and you're not supposed to bring more than that, and you're not supposed to bring less than that. That's what you have to bring. It's precise, and, it's, and it is numbered. It is quantified, because here we're talking about a practical mitzvah. That's one answer to one question. The second question I asked, is why does Rashi change his language just slightly when he refers to Parshas Ekev? He says, the Shivas Aminim, Behen Eretz Israel, that Eretz Israel was praised for them. Let's put that in a different color. Running out of colors. Okay. A little hard to see now. Shinishtabcha Behen Eretz Israel, the seven minim by which Eretz Israel was praised. When he then in the next half of a sentence refers to Parshas Kisavai, he changes and he says Shvach Eretz Yisrael, the praise of Eretz Yisrael. No verb, simply a, a noun. The praiseworthy crops of Eretz Yisrael. The difference is obvious. In Parshas Ekev, that's what the Torah is doing. The Torah is praising Eretz Yisrael because it is the home of these seven very nice and important and beautiful crops. It's a verb. Here in Parshas Ekev, the Torah is not praising them actively. It is accepting them as a, as a phenomenon, that there are seven very wonderful types of peiros that grow in Eretz Yisrael. There's the shvach Eretz Yisrael. There is the beautiful praiseworthy produce 
of Eretz Yisrael. It's not a verb. The verb took place back in Parshas Eichet. Now it is a it is a product. It's already been formed. It's Shvach Eretz Yisrael. It is the praise, the praiseworthy props of Eretz Yisrael. Now, Zeis Shemen. The first question that we had on this phrase, Zeis Shemen, is that why is Rashi here in Parshas Sisovoi commenting on it at all? It's not in this Pasuk. And secondly, why does he change? Why does he add on? In Parshas Ekev, he just said Zeis Shemen means Zeisim Ho'isim Shemen, olives that make oil. Here in Parshas Sisovoi, Rashi gets a little more complicated, a little more specific. He says it's the Zayas Agori, Jashamri Agur Vesaychai. It is a special kind of olive called the Zayas Agori that stores up a lot of oil inside of it, inside of itself. The reason, the reason that Rashi is going back to explain this word is because here he wants to be Kaveya Halafi. He wants to clarify and to, and to establish the halacha, exactly which kind of olive must you bring as Bikurim? Is it any olive that has oil? Well, almost every olive has oil. Rashi needs to clarify. Zeshemen here, he says, means something very specific. It's the Zayas Agurim. It's a certain type of olive that was known as the Zayas Agurim. In Parshas Aiken, that was not necessary. As I explained before, in Parshas Aiken, Rashi nearly had a uh, linguistic, uh, grammatical sort of question. What does it mean, Zay Shemen? Don't we usually say Shemen Zayas? Isn't the syntax usually the other way around? So Rashi said, Zay Shemen means an olive tree or an olive that makes oil. Zaysim Hoisim Shemen, olives that make oil. Okay, good enough. All olives. Should we thank Akhadish Baruchu for all olives that grow in Eretz Yisrael? Absolutely. Should the fact that Eretz Yisrael has all different kinds of olive trees that produce various quantities and qualities of olives, of, of olive oil, is that a reason to, to be grateful to Akhadish Baruchu and to, and to perform his mitzvahs? Absolutely. There was no need over here in Parshas Akent to get to be to to get any more specific. But here in Parshas Hisavai, where we're talking in a very specific sense, we're talking about a very specific mitzvah of Bikurim, Rashi clarified more specifically. And the same thing when it comes to Dvash, to our last uh, our last question about Dvash, about honey. In Parshas Akin, it mentions as one of the seven species, it mentions Dvash. It's true, the word Dvash could mean Dvash Gevoyrim, it could mean bee honey, it could mean Dvash Tmorim. Let's say you weren't sure. Thank you, Kodesh Baruch for both. The truth is Eretz Israel is, uh, is a good place for raising bees, honey bees also. Uh, I don't know if I should mention this, but in the, in the uh, there was not long ago a very famous beekeeper in Eretz Israel. His, his name was Yasser Arafat, Yimach Shemal. Eretz Yisrael is a good place to, for, to grow bee honeys. What's the difference in Parshas Eichet, which kind of vash we're talking about? They're all good. But in Parshas Kisovoi, we're talking about the specific mitzvah of Bikurim. I have to know which kind, from which kind of honey do I have to bring Bikurim 
And from which kind is it not appropriate to bring the Korban? So Rashi says, Vash means Vash Tomorrow. So with this general principle, this general distinction between Parshas Akit and Parshas Isavai, I think we can answer all of these questions. And I think that we also see here a very, very simple but very important general thought about the Torah. And that is that within the Torah, there are passages of general encouragement, awakening, inspiration to do the mitzvahs. There are many such psukim, particularly in, in Sefer Dvorim. There are many psukim of general encouragement and inspiration. There are also, by contrast, there are also in the Torah, many specific halachic imperatives. Many psukim which tell us, this is what you need to do. This is the mitzvah. This is how you do it. These are the details. This is what you must do. This is what you can do. This is what you may not do. And those are also, obviously, extremely important. Both are essential. And we must not forget that the inspiration, the encouragement, has to be put lamasa. In, in Yiddishkeit, it's not enough to be inspired and to be ecstatic, and that's great. It has to come lamaisa. One must sit down and discover how exactly to do the mitzvahs and to do them as precisely as possible. Good job.